big thing in automotive is uh, autonomous vehicle, as Brad says some times ago. Every automaker is investing billions of dollars per year trying to invent the autonomous or driver cars. Maybe we will see the first commercial product in 2020, but the problem to solve are still many. I have the opportunity to test some of these vehicles, and I can say it's quite an experience. When the guided by itself decide to overpass another not autonomous vehicle, it's an experience. It's like when you use the iPhone for your first time. It's like connecting to Internet in the, during the 90s. And it's just a question of time, I think. Robocars will arrive on the street. Maybe not in 2020, in 2050. So I invite you to join to the stage Mr. Brad Templeton and Carlo De Micheli, who is in charge of uh, uh, open source vehicle team at OSV, a small Italian company. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Brad. Please have a seat here. These are our chairs. <laughs> So, I will start with Mr. Templeton. You talk about the technology, but what about the cost? The cost of this technology is too expensive. Uh, it's still too expensive. For example, a sensor costs like $70,000. Well, I do hear people say that, and uh, it's mostly, uh, I think, people who have not understood the lesson of the computer industry. The first laser printers cost a lot of money. The first DVD players cost a lot of money. There's nothing in these sensors that, with a bit of Moore's Law and a bit of volume manufacturing, won't make them quite, quite reasonable in price. So you think it's just a matter of time? Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I made a little joke about uh, our colleagues in Parma about their approach, because their approach is to try and do it with cameras. Cameras You're are very. You're talking about VisLab. Yeah, the VisLab. Cameras are very inexpensive, which is great. And someday, by the way, someone will make it work with a camera. But to do this requires a breakthrough in the field we call computer vision. And no one knows when that breakthrough will come. Many people are confident it will come, but no one knows when it will come. On the other hand, with the laser, the laser works now. The laser is expensive now. Everyone knows when it will be cheap. There is no mystery to that, no breakthrough needed to make it cheap. So Google started the engine some years ago and uh, raised its own. Every automaker is investing in this technology. Who is leading? Well, I think that Google has an interesting head start right now. And, and to be fair, I've been a consultant for their team, so I don't want to uh, uh, speak yes, with a conflict know. of interest. Um, but they have uh, the million kilometers of trial run on the streets of California, admittedly easy streets to drive, but still a, a million kilometers, and, and about 150,000 kilometers with no incident at the most recent time. But they also, because they're not a car company, they don't know the rules of the car industry. I mean, deliberately, they don't know the rules of the car industry. They're not bound by them. Many of you will have read a book by Clayton Christensen called The Innovator's Dilemma. Um, it is not actually legal to enter Silicon Valley without reading that book. They have border guards that make sure you have read that book before you go to Silicon Valley. And in that book, he describes this principle where the new companies come up who don't know the old rules. They don't have people who are entrenched. They don't have an immune system which attacks anything new in the company. The car companies, they're not bad companies, but it's very hard for a big company that's been a car company for 100 years, that's thought about things a certain way for 100 years, to think about things other ways. And look at Elon Musk with the Tesla. Yeah. Right? He came in and said, I'm not going to pay attention to the rules. And suddenly he makes a car and everyone's saying, this is the best car anybody's ever made. 
partly for that same reason. Even Elon Musk say that um, to build a autonomous vehicle at 90% is relatively easy, but the real difficult thing is to get the 10% left. What do you think about that? Oh, no, no, he's, he's absolutely right about that. Um, I mean, the labs in academia and Google are working on doing that 100%. The car companies are all working on that different approach. They're working on the get uh, the highway driving, get the traffic jam driving, make the people still pay attention. That creates the problem which we, my, my fellow Canadian uh, discussed before, which is how do you deal with the sudden surprise handoff if you want to do this 90%, 10% thing. So it's still interesting. All those things I talked about, they happen though when you get to 100%. But there's a company in France uh, called Induct, which has made shuttles, and these shuttles are operating now in European cities like Lyon, um, totally empty, unmanned, driving people around. Their secret, 20 kilometers an hour. They don't go more than 20 kilometers an hour. And because of that, they are safe. And you can do it already. You can do the 100% at low speed. And you can do the 90% at high speed. And the two are coming together. So thank you so much, Brad. I will stop just to present Giorgio De Micheli, who is involved in the OSB vehicle, open source vehicle. Open Source Vehicle is a relatively new project uh, that is starting in Italy. Uh, it all runs on the platform of the, of the vehicle because you can, someone call it IKEA car or Arduino on four wheels. Can you explain to us? Yes, absolutely. What we are building right now is an open platform, totally open source, on which anyone can build their own vehicle. Uh, Brad talked before about the fact that now we're moving towards cars for specific applications, and that's what we're making. We're making a vehicle that's so versatile, you can make it longer, shorter, um, higher, lower. Um, you can make it with uh, two seats or four seats. You can do whatever you want, from a city car to an off-road vehicle. So you don't have to buy the expensive SUV to go like skiing twice a year. Um, all you have to do is build your own vehicle for the application you need it. Um, so that's actually what we're building right now, and it's called uh, Tabby. We launched uh, less than a month ago. Yeah. Uh, but developing platform is one of the most expensive parts in automotive process. Uh, traditional car makers spend um, an average of a billion dollars for each platform. You say that you can um, build a platform with $2,000, $2, and how this model business can work, right? Um, Yes, uh, as you said, it's hard to start from scratch and build a vehicle. Um, that's a big barrier to entry in the vehicles market because the hardware is expensive. Developing vehicles from the wheels up is really expensive. And what we're doing is taking that barrier to entry to zero. Um, how we do that? By releasing all the project as open source online. Anyone can download it and see if they can actually build a vehicle uh, for their application based on that. And they can even make it better, obviously, because it's online and it's free. And the second thing is the pricing, where we're already available for pre-order on a website, and Tabby, the platform, is going to start at 2,000 euros. So you can actually start and build a vehicle for yourself, even, or as an entrepreneur and a maker or a designer, um, starting at a very low price. And is it road legal? What about safety? Yes. Um, for road legal issues, uh, all the components in Tabby are road legal, already verified. And whatever you build on top of it, as long as that is road legal as well, the whole vehicle is road legal. Well, 
Or do you think that uh, this kind of manufacturing in the future, small manufacturing, will compete with uh, the giant of automotive industry? I'm totally in favor of it. It's kind of like you know, computer hardware and software. People build an underlying platform in large quantities, and that's allowed a million people to build a million apps on top of it. Now, this is all hardware, of course, although there will be software elements, some of them running QNX and other operating systems. Um, so I think it's absolutely great. Let people innovate. Let people sell to early adopters, find out what works in the market, have lots of different forms of cars. When you get to the level I spoke about, where the car can deliver itself to you, where you can say, today I need this small little car, or now I need the car with the big trunk, uh, that actually opens it up to companies to have a market for different sizes of cars. Right now, people don't think there's not much market for unusual cars, so they can't make so many, they can't make the volumes. I like his approach. That's a good approach. Which are your customers, for example? Did you... Yes, actually, we've had a lot of interest uh, from many different countries right now. We launched less than a month ago, and now we're getting so many emails uh, from partners and uh, people who want to assemble Tabby and resell it, uh, make special vehicles uh, from airports uh, to city cars. Um, and it would be great to have also their software on it to actually have them self-drive. So open source, uh, what does it mean? Creative Commons, you can um, download from internet the project and reuse it. Yes, the license we're using is the same one that Arduino uses. So it's a Creative Commons share-like attribution license, which means you can download it for free, you can actually build commercial products on it and sell them, as long as you always attribute the product and uh, the project to the first designer who made it. Well, it sounds great, like great sounds the autonomous vehicle. But what about regulation? In uh, Nevada, you talk about Nevada in your intervention, but also in Japan, the authority is moving to prepare law for this kind of vehicle. When we will see on the road? Well, so the Nevada law actually uh, has legalized testing right now, and within a couple of years, they'll have the regulations for actual operation by people. The California law also will have that by 2015. Um, some countries will go the other way and say, we want to slow this down, we want to ban it. But I think the reality is we'll see competition between jurisdictions. If one country says, we want to ban this or we want to be slow, another country or another state is going to stand up and say, hey, we would like to be the world leaders in the new generation of technology, the new generation of robotics. You know, the countries that were most liberal about allowing telecom deregulation and competition and cell phone competition, they got the best tech technology in those things, they got to lead the world. So I think countries like Singapore, India, China, many of them will jump at the chance to legalize technology so that they can be the leader. Okay. Thank you much. It's, it all starts with military, with military research in this uh, kind of vehicle. Now automakers are uh, working on, uh, on that. What about Europe? What about in Europe? Europe. Well, so there's actually quite a bit going on in Europe. There's been a lot of... Um, of effort in uh, early sort of, uh, uh, they call them cyber cars in uh, France and in, uh, a few other countries. The first uh, working PRT system, if you know what PRT is, uh, it's kind of a little robotic car that runs on a track. You can ride it today at Heathrow Airport in Terminal 5. Um, I mentioned the company Induct in France. Um, also, Mercedes and BMW have very advanced labs in Germany. Uh, I have not seen anything yet from the Italian car manufacturers, uh, but uh, maybe, again, that's because people are crazy here when they drive. I don't know. Um, but uh, you will also... Uh, Renault and Nissan together hold the, um, the lab in Silicon Valley, which is doing the, uh, the development of self-driving cars. 
So thank you very much. Uh, um, so are you thinking about uh, um, an autonomous open source vehicle too? Uh, it would be great. I mean, <laughs> I, forgot Volvo, I forgot Volvo as well. Volvo. Yeah, they have a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, we'd love to have that on Tabby. I mean, um, the advantage of Tabby, as we said, is you can build it yourself. And for maintenance as well, it, it's really easy to, to change parts in Tabby. And that's one thing that we'll always need you say it takes in our vehicles. 40 minutes to assemble the whole vehicle. Yeah, the, the one that's outside right here that you can see today is actually assembled in, uh, in 40 minutes. Um, we, we built one at Maker Faire in Rome in uh, under 42 minutes uh, with just two people. Um, so yeah, once you join that with the right software, it's going to be the future, for sure. Do you think there is space to, for cooperating with other big manufacturers? Yes, absolutely, I think so. Um, our platform is so strong and so low cost that it, it could actually uh, work for big manufacturers as well. So we will see in the, in the, in the future. And um, what about the factory? You said developing this kind of model requires a very um, lean production. Uh, lean production, a small factory you can do in whatever place in the world. Yeah, we call it a one-room factory. Um, you can assemble Tabu with uh, just like simple tools. You don't need uh, any special uh, soldering or anything. Um, so you can actually do it in a one-room factory. The best thing is it comes flat-packed. You said IKEA car before. It comes flat-packed in four crates that weigh less than 100 kilos, so you don't even need special machinery to carry it. So it sounds like a, a good idea. It comes yeah. come from uh, Italy and China. It's real. Yep. real. So let's talk about autonomous, autonomous vehicle and to The real question is uh, who's going to pay in case of accident? Well, um, so I, I addressed that a little bit when I was speaking, and that turns out to be a less important question than people think, because uh, when you have accidents today, believe it or not, accidents are sort of the best understood uh, tort there is in the world. Um, they happen um, immense numbers of times every day, and it's settled through a huge industry called the insurance industry. And what happens is when you are in an accident, if it's your fault, you have an insurance company and they pay for the accident. And you pay a premium, everybody pays a little more premium because of that. Uh, sometimes the car company is responsible because the tire falls off or the stick shift breaks. And then the car company pays for the cost of the accident, and the car company puts the money into the cost of every car, and then you pay once again. So I, I know who pays. It's, it's me and it's you. It's, that's who pays. But... If the number of accidents goes down, and that is the goal, so people ask, how do we know this is safe? I have a trick answer for that. The trick answer is that people are not going to let it on the road until they've convinced that they can demonstrate it is safe. They can demonstrate it to themselves, demonstrate it to the government, demonstrate it to the people. So we are going to assume that it is safe and safer than human drivers. So if you take the number of accidents in half, for example, and we are the ones paying, then we all benefit from this. Now... The trick is, of course, different people are hit by the robot cars than are hit by the drunk drivers. And so the different people, it's not, it is not fair to them. They're upset. They complain. They say, this is reckless. This is crazy. How can we let these things on the road, even though they're killing fewer people? And the people who were saved, they're not in front of the jury. So that makes it difficult. There's going to be a battle over that. No question. Do you believe that 2020 is the right date? Um, so I think you're going to see some things before 2020. Uh, Google's uh, estimate, Sergey Brin's estimate of 2017, was it's not a number that's in a calendar, it's just 
sort of a prediction. But again, the answer is, as soon as people are convinced it's safe, they will release it. Now, it doesn't have to be safe everywhere to release it. You might release a vehicle that only drives in one town or only in uh, w- one small area, and you feel it's safe there. But yes, I think people will do that. Now, when, when do we start seeing a lot of them on the road? That's not till the 2020s. Mm. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Brad Templeton and Carlo De Micheli, thank you very much. Grazie. Thanks.